focus. Good evening, morning, afternoon, whatever applies to you, and welcome to another EuroLeague. I, as always, am your glorious host, Rich. And you know what, Kira? Ultimately, as someone who does believe in the sanctity, at least conceptually, of democracy, I'm actually going to do it. I am going to actually bow down to the YouTube and Reddit haters, okay? And what I mean by that is I'm going to pin a pinned message under this video on YouTube. And I'm going to say, if this message gets 5,000 upvotes, then uh, we'll kick Kira off the show. So there you go. Don't tell me, don't tell me that I didn't give you the chance, right? Like use, use the power of the people. If, if you want, want him gone that much, I need, I need to know that you really want it. So 5,000 upvotes. And by the way, don't bot it because I can tell when likes are botted on YouTube, okay? So... No botting. Let, let's see how you get on. Uh, we're also joined, of course, by one of the few who survived the Riot Broadcasting Purge. Uh, everyone's second favourite Irishman behind yeah. Liam Neeson, of course. Now, see, that's I'll doubly, that. that's that. doubly <laughs> triggering for the three Irish people who watch the show who are like, oh, he's Northern Irish. It doesn't count. <laughs> uh, but actually, where, where do you stand on that, Dagda? Are, are people uh, from Northern Ireland really Irish? Are they even human it. in your destination? <laughs> 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 I wouldn't touch that. I'm yeah, like, man. I'm not going near that. <laughs> 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 like... <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to leave the show, to be yep. honest. Uh, I don't even <laughs> for, for anyone who's a little bit confused, it's not always historically been the friendliest rivalry, you know, yeah. but uh, they've both got the, the... the hoodie for it as well. It's perfect. Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> Actually, true. I didn't. I didn't even realise that. So yeah. No, I'm a, a big fan. I've never been to Northern Ireland. Looks a bit shit. Not gonna lie. So I just didn't bother. But Dublin's a banger. So yeah. If you haven't uh, haven't been, highly recommend it. Also went during St Patrick's, which was like sort of a blessing and a curse at the same time. I guess like uh, was a bit tourist trappy for me, I suppose. But didn't really do my research. So got what I deserved. But anyway, before we jump into things, all uh, LEC. It is time for my patented would you rather. Uh, and I've got a seriously weird one for you today. So Kira can't be accusing me of stealing this from the fucking Cybermen. I guarantee you will not find this one on the internet anywhere, okay? So my question to you is... It's a bit long-winded, actually, but don't worry. We'll get through it. Would you rather have to prepare one haggis dish from scratch every day but not eat it? So, like, butchering the carcass whipping out the stomach lining, like the whole nine yards, right? But not eat it. But in that scenario, you can eat whatever you want, right? It's just you have to go through the machinations of preparing this fucking dish. Or would you rather not have to do that, but you have to eat haggis six days a week? Oh. Hit yeah. me, Kira. What are you thinking? Haggis six days uh, a week or preparing that uh, motherfucker okay. from scratch? Haggis six days a week because there's no stipulation on the amount, so I could just take a teaspoon. Nah, and eat it, it has to. It has to be. <laughs> it has to be a full full blown meal. I'm afraid. Proper. Can hag- I deep fry it? Can I prepare the haggis how I want? Like, can I do it like in the haggis in different yeah, ways? Yeah, uh, I'll say yes, but it can't just be like a haggis by technicality. Like people have to agree that it is a haggis. It's not like oh, it's a haggis, but I took away the stomach lining and uh, it's basically pasta. Like it's no, I, be I, okay, I, I, I would just eat haggis every day. I can handle it. Okay, what what about you, Dagda? What are you thinking? See, I've never had haggis, so I have no idea if I actually like it. <laughs> so, <laughs> what I know as a person, like I get fed up with food if I eat it for like two three days in a row. So I feel like by default I'd have to make haggis every day and then not eat it because <laughs> I was just like, and my body just 
ends up not liking it if I end up going for that long. Heard it here first, vegans. Dagda <laughs> would rather slit the throat of a lamb on the daily <laughs> than, you know, put up with eating a... It's a truly revolting thing, by the way. Like, haggis is, like, proper traditional haggis is one of those things that's, like, very archaic and of its time, where it's so, like, revoltingly horrendous that they don't even mass-produce it the same way. Like, the haggis, obviously, that you eat in, like, the shops and at the chip shop and stuff isn't, like... The haggis that like folk were eating back in the day because yeah. nobody would eat that. When whenever nobody. I ask like some of my family live in Scotland, for instance, like whenever I ask people about like what is haggis like, I've never tried it. They always say, actually, it's not that bad. But then they hit me with like a million caveats. It's like if you get it from here and if it's like this and if it's prepared really well by this specific human being, I'm like, yeah, I'm out. I'm out. I've heard enough. Like if it's if it's uh, yeah no i'm done i'm done right anyway from uh from one discre actually no we're not going to start there let's start with uh well i don't really want to talk about g2 and vitality too much today because i feel like they've been sort of spoken about to death at this point um so what i do want to pick your brains on first is who else from the chasing pack is looking like they could possibly muster a title charge for a little bit of context there are actually four teams right now with four and two records. One of them is is G2, but the three I want you guys to focus on are SK, BDS, and Mad Lions. Um, so, Kira, of these three teams, which of these, if any, do you think is most likely looking that it could do some damage at GSL? So, it should be Mad Lions, but Nesky's playing like shit. And that's one of the problems. But... Right? Okay, if I was to give you my Mad Lions, I would have said, okay, Niski Aloy are great um, mid-jungle synergy, okay? Great mid-jungle system, they would dominate the league through it. And that has partially been true, but every single game they've lost has basically been Niski's, like, running it. Like, really, really poor performance, really poor uh, laning, um, taking a lot, like, a risks. But the upside, and the bot lane looks like one of the best bot lanes in the league. Now, I said if Mad Lions wanted to be a title contender or like punch upwards, this needed to be the case. I think Car this was the perfect team for Karze and Halasang to step down to, to regain their foot in and play from and like basically prove themselves as more consistent players. And for the most part, particularly Karze, they've proven that. I think overall, this, off that pack of teams, this is the best team. They have the best system, they actually have Drake setups. When you actually look at like the individual breakdowns of all the things they can do, they are the most consistent team. That doesn't always just turn into results because, you know, BO1s are volatile, BO3s aren't that much different. Um, not that much diff different in terms of volatility, but a bit better. You could end up with them losing to like underdogs and, you know, this Mad Lions historically has had problems in best of fives. So I would say overall they're the best team in principle, but maybe not actually like executing in like the server. I so I had a mad take by the way on the uh, Niski isn't actually sprinting. In fact, it might even have been on our show. It might even have been we had when we had Duke on. Someone, either Duke or, or I'll say I'll say I can't remember who it is. Actually, I don't want to attach this to Duke. But they said that Niski didn't actually run down the uh, Vitality game. It was just that Bo was playing that good. And I would contend with that and say Bo played really well, but he was sprinting it. Niski was fully sprinting it. Like, no ifs, no buts, no maybe. You have bad, you have bad ones. But, uh, yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. So, yeah, Dagda, what, what do you think of these three teams? Where are your... Um, so, I think the... I'm 
I agree with the Mad Lions take where I'm like, I think this is the team where, especially because Nitsky's still playing all the like victors and stuff like that. I feel like in a best of three scenario, they could even mix it up and go for like Lissandra's and like Nitsky's more general champion pool that you're with them. Yeah. And then they can actually play that style and still be totally fine. Right. So I feel like there's more to Mad Lions to unlock. And although like I'm loving SK at the moment, like I think it's really fun to see how well they're doing. I feel like they are a bit one dimensional, which is Mark Kuhn plays around boss. And if they win boss, fantastic. They win the game because they're able to snowball off of that. Um, but I think in the best of three scenario, when we get to groups, I think teams are just going to be able to prepare for them super easy. And then I, I feel like they're going to be struggling. But um, yeah, I think like Mad Lions is probably your best one. I'm definitely surprised by BDS though. I didn't think BDS <laughs> were going to look as good as they were, like genuinely. Um, Adam looks really, really good. Like he's been playing super well. I think the way they play around the fact that he doesn't run TPs and stuff is really cool. Um, but you could kind of see it in their last game over the weekend where they were struggling against Mad Lions once Mad Lions started to actually like figure out, oh, we can play the map. Um, so I think against better teams, that's where they're going to struggle. Um, but yeah, I think it would kind of go like Mad and then SK and BDS are kind of have on a similar level where I'm like, they could upset, um, but I think they're a bit one-dimensional is the biggest problem. Can I just say something about SK Gaming? SK Gaming basically our look like to meet that team where like if Markun preps and like figures out the enemy jungler in the first five minutes they like stand a chance of like winning in some form or fashion against most teams but the games where he doesn't figure out like the enemy jungler's path or outthink the enemy jungler they look a lot 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 worse um he even had I think it was it was against Bo I think he he was and he was on a lease yeah yeah because that was the yeah, first game was, that Bo yeah, lost yeah, yeah. And he, he wasn't just playing, like, chess, bro. It was, like, layers upon layers of, like, chess. No matter what Bo was doing, Markun was on top of his shit, covered almost everything. I think he was a, a full gank of head, a full gank ahead of Bo and had cleared all his camps. It was, like, a masterclass in, like, uh, pick advantage jungling. How often can Markun do that is what I would, be, would say is in the G, when you get to the GSLs because... Uh, looks to be one of the, like, as Dad was saying, the predefined things for actually winning the game. Yeah, I think he is very, very good at, like, figuring that out, though. He seems to do his homework. Like, he even did against Yike as well. Yeah. Where again, their yeah. game was like, oh, Yike basically invades every time off second camp, so I'm just going to split the map immediately and kill their bot mate. It was like, oh, okay. So he is very, very smart in, like, learning what jungler's tendencies are and how to exploit them. But again, I think it's like, if an end, if the opposition's just able to go, right, we shut down Marcoon be like ward bot lane so they can't play through it then i think that's where they're going to struggle yeah i think with sk and bds it's, it's really interesting because in a weird way these were the two picks that i feel pre-season i got most correct versus what the general perception was i'm just kind of sad that even given that i, I still had bds second last right because i would have had to have legislated for the fact that Fnatic and Koi, for example, yeah. are as, as bad as they are. But BDS are kind of actually as good as I, they, I thought they would be. They just have a better record than I thought they would have because of the general weaknesses in other teams in the league. But one thing I'm really happy to see, and obviously, you know, I'm biased, of course, when it, but their bot lane is really playing like a proper bot lane that you can tell is clearly played a bunch in the past, which obviously they have done. And they're playing some of these 2v2s out really well. They're not like super clean like when mickey and hans have like a really good 2v2 performance it does look a bit different than when lavrov and crowny do but i still think that they are regularly winning 
some 2v2 matchups, which is super important that they don't just have a singular win condition in Adam. Because Adam, as good as he's played, is still not super reliable, right? Like he'll have he'll win you he'll probably win you three games and lose you like one and a half in that he'll just straight up lose you one and there'll be another game which he makes really difficult which you either win or lose right so that, that's how i kind of see adam he's definitely getting better and it has improved like has tightened that up because it used to be very much 50 50 like he'll win you the game or lose you the game i think he's more consistent now but yeah I, i'm really happy to see that also shout out sorry i'll let you speak in a second Dagda. shout out nuclear in because He's not been great. He's not been like amazing standout or whatever, but he has been so much better than any showing he's had in LEC before now. So much better. And he's done some legitimately really high level plays. Like the one that I would like to use an example because also it's like, I feel it works on a sort of a deeper an an analytical level and also like a pleb level where he like, he's playing the Silas and he steals the Ash Arrow bot. Like visually, that's such a nice play, but it's just fundamentally and more complexly like such a well-played play as well if you look how he played the actual fight and then as he steals it and how he immediately like then instantaneously like he's thought about it before as he's killing ash he already knows like i'm taking the arrow and immediately firing it here and to me that was some like levels i did not expect to see from him at all i think as well just on nuclear and the you can see where he's put in the work on like trying to understand what a he can do as a mid laner in games that are going really terribly where there's like a couple of games where at the start where shit had gone a wall on them and it, you kind of see him in the mid lane go okay i'm actually going to drop this wave but i'm going to try and go bot and see if i can make a cross map play to actually get something back and it's like i really like decision making like that because the person that used to do it a lot in lpl was like shell and stuff right where you see a very similar story and i think it's really cool to see it starting to be brought across to western mid laners because i think there's a lot of western mid laners who don't think like that and i just thought like the, the thought process and the decision making he had around that was really cool to see and you can see that growth um and then the other point i wanted to say was just like basically to complete the the whole wrap around the saying look this team is fantastic is uh, i've been really impressed with shio i think shio is really really underrated on this team uh the way he's able to like make sure the lanes are safe setting up uh <laughs> like correcting a lot of the mistakes as well that do end up coming out um i think is really, really good uh, and I think he is his work cut out for him. So, like, I think he's been super, super impressive. Yeah. One one thing I'll, I'll, I would say, actually, I'll get out of the way. I've said it in yeah. tweets and Nan was saying it in the video. Formal apology to BDS for likening you to diarrhea. That is Astralis' role. You did not deserve to be compared to Astralis or diarrhea. You are much better than that. I should have saved that saved that comparison for another outcome. But wait, so what are Astralis? Are they diarrhea or are they constipation? No, they were constipation. Yeah, but what are, are they now? Are... What are they now? I feel they have the pick. Um they're they're fucking they're beer poo, right? They're the fucking beer poo. Anyway, oh. so oh, that's, that's a, <laughs> anyway, what do you call reference. I was one thing that I would say about Nuke, and, and that's gonna sound so silly when you like you frame it like this, is I don't know if it's uh, basically, just I do basically. If you look at like the RL level, I still don't think he's probably good enough to be in the team. I would still take people like Takui. I think people like Takui are better than him, but it's whatever. His levels way more acceptable than it was before. He used to be like comparable to like Dejor. Yeah. Now it's only like Dejor that like shouldn't have a job. So like, it's hard. To, it's hard. Um. Crown, I think, though, there's people on BDX that are, like, massively overperforming in terms of, like, how long they can do it for, right? I'm not, like, a hater or anything. I don't want this to come along as hate. 
you could not look at Crenshaw and LFL and say he was going to play like that in LAC. I do not think it was possible. I don't think you could have looked at their run and been like, yeah, Crenshaw will play that well in the LAC. I don't know what, like, what looked translatable. He was, like, dying more, getting caught more, like, getting picked off more, using summer spell economy worse, playing out bottling worse in the LFL. And then he comes to the LAC and he looks like one of the... I'll put out a uh, devil's advocate on that, which is, uh, <clears throat> this is purely speculative, but based on like the interview that went out this week or last week or whatever it was, when he said like the team, the BDS Academy team was like smashing the main team in scrims. Like he, he said there was like a 90% win rate basically. Um, I suspect because his level was worse in summer than it was in spring as well. I suspect that he couldn't really believe that he hadn't been given a shot in spring. And then I suspect a lot of it was motivational because BDS obviously was good in spring as well. Uh, BDS Academy, rather, in relation to uh, like the EU Masters and the LFL. They were playing really well. He was playing well. They're apparently smashing their sister team in scrims, which shouldn't be happening. He doesn't get promoted and then is back to play in summer. Like I can understand why he might have had lapses in concentration or getting caught and stuff like that. Like I suspect that had something to do with it. Also, Crowney is, like, as a person, is very proud and self-confident in his own abilities and i think that yeah i it, it wouldn't surprise me if he he just felt like i shouldn't be here and it affected him in game that, like that, that that that's like fine but my, my point was around the fact of like if you actually just watch the lfl games sure. he was he is be much better in the lc than it was in the yeah. lfl and it's not even like remotely close um and another player that i think like over overperforming relative to his role and might be like become end up being a victim of the BO3s coming up, potentially that they make it, is maybe Shale. In the history of LAC, the more tenured and experienced junglers tend to look not as good against the up and comers and regular split. But once series plays happen, they get fisted. Uh like Markun against Jankos, um Razork against Jankos, um Loads of them, there's like loads of examples throughout history where like the person looks great throughout the regular season and they go into like playoffs and it's like domination like you've never seen before. And this is a narrative piece. Shield might go into playoffs and he might be just perfectly great because his level of play is like very good. But it does happen, tend to happen. If that happens to BDS, I think that's really scary because then like Adam's lane states, Nut's lane states aren't getting repaired as frequently. And you early game cracks begin to appear more frequently. Yeah, even like self-made in his like first splits, whatever I remember, was not yeah. doing so well in in crunch situations. The one exception, I guess, was Broxer that he played it, but he's an experienced player in general, right? So it's yeah, a bit that's, different. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's not a hard and fast rule. It's more yeah, of a yeah, narrative yeah. piece uh, of anything. No, I, I, anything. I'd buy that. And yeah, the last thing I would just say on that topic is when it comes to SK again, like my thing on them, I think has been sort of fairly accurate, which is they have like. Not necessarily a particularly high ceiling, but I feel they have a very high floor because all of their players have very solid fundamentals. Um, you, we can pick holes in everyone's game on that team, but I think that their their base level is sufficiently good that I'm not really surprised to see where they are. But by that same note, I also don't think... I would be surprised if they made playoffs, which is, again, for people who forget, the stage after GSL where it's a Final Four. I don't, I don't see them making Final Four, but... Um, yeah, they've they've looked uh, they've looked fine. Right from uh, one end of the table 
to the other and dear oh dear where to start with excel <laughs> uh so much hope so much hype uh so much promise so many talented players uh i'm gonna keep this one very simple dagda what is wrong with excel <laughs> uh yeah um i think there's obviously there's issues with the lanes right like bot lane in particular has been an absolute mess um I I think there's a lot of mistakes that are happening there, so I'm not even going to like try and put it solely on one of them. I think both the the guys are making a huge amount of mistakes, and then I think the problem is as well is that like Zerse hasn't really been active. Like he was more active in week two, but certainly in week one you'd see like stuff had gone completely sideways, and Zerse would have a CS lead but hadn't really got involved in the lanes to actually do particularly much. Now I think week two was a big step up. I think we even had the graphics in the broadcast to like. I like the difference between the two because he'd actually gotten uh, much more involved. But the I think that was where you're kind of seeing less input from the jungle. The lanes aren't going too hot. And even trying to look at like when they're trying to go for cross maps, there's nothing really there when like the enemy junglers say diving boss. So I don't know. The entire early game has gone to me uh, to shit. The, the team fighting is all over the place as well. Like everyone seems to be targeting different people or on a different page. So like it feels like fundamentally just these players just don't really work together and i don't really have a like a quick and easy fix it's it feels like it's all kind of just all over the place yeah what, what do you think kira so i'm all a bit different i actually think excel's problem is they are struggling to like and this is gonna i was trying to explain this they're struggling to align their level and what I'm, i have it's really hard to conceptualize this put it this way i i can only like i'll it's going to be long-winded, but I can only explain it in things. Okay, so take the G2 game, okay? Right. That game is fucked from, like, three minutes. Not even three yeah. minutes, like, two minutes, right? Because the bot lane, like, dies, like, instantly, loses, like, all its sums, gets re, re, uh, re-guided, right? But along with that, uh, jungle, Xerxes, is also just fucked, right? Because uh, they then just start farming all of Xerxes' jungle, they have Heimerdinger advantage, just roaming around the map. XO aren't generally playing well, but it wouldn't matter who I gave the like the other three players on that team. That team would most likely lose. That could be like Caps. It could be Adam Top. It doesn't matter who you put there. If your bot lane's down like that early levels against like a not Australis team, you're gonna lose. Okay. Then you go on to like the next one. They like they beat BDS with the split push comp, right? The actual micro, their actual micro decisions as team, all that game was shit. Like, everyone was doing terrible micro-decisions. Odo was getting solo killed. Xerxes wasn't covering the gank. Um, uh, Vito was, like, walking into traps, right? But they won it because they conceptualised, like, the comp, like, better. And all of... When I watch all of XL's uh, losses, there's, like, a glaring problem each and every time where, like, if that one wasn't there, and I understand the, those players are on the team, that, like, the game would be so much more fixable. A game I'd like to point out is, like, Koi, okay? The Agile are in a position where they could almost win the Koi game. Yeah. That's after the bot lane getting 2v2 killed, and they have one damage uh, source, consistent damage source in the Lucian against a Soraka comp. And they almost win the game. Now, we now know Koi aren't, like, the end-all, be-all, right? But, um, like... That it was like close. If they have a better draft there, in my opinion, like I actually think that game's like a win. And then you've got the Astralis game, right? How many people went into that game? I, I would have given you fifty to one odds. Would you have bet Finn to solo kill Odo? 
Well, yeah, on those, think... on those odds, I'd take it, sure. But, like, no, but like, I take your point. Like, how unlikely does that happen? I can't even remember the last time Odo was solo killed yeah. in LEC. Never mind solo killed by Finn, yeah. right? So there you go. That's that game just, like, drastically, like, just warped because Finn, the worst top laner in the fucking league, by a, quite a favourable margin, is solo killing what's supposed to be one of the best pieces on the team. And there's just something is going critically wrong at the micro level very early that's making the volatility of these games really, really, really high. Now, I know you could, I don't see like a world for this split just going into winter where there's anything you could do drastically to change it. I think it's you play the same five man lineup, right? And you hope that you align your level at a better time. And you win games. Then them getting into the GSL, by the way, isn't that crazy. Like uh, Fnatic, uh, you know, Koi has like a really hard final week where they've got to play like Vitality and G two. So yeah. like, if, if they lose those two games and XL win their three, they play tiebreaker against Koi, beat Koi, they're through. Yeah, XL have to play uh, play Vitality uh, as their last. Yeah, game. no, there, it's not all. It's not just the easiest thing either for XL. What I'm saying is not completely impossible. <laughs> uh, I, I think. After this split, if you obviously you failed at this, is that's when you should be looking possibly to make changes. But again, you look at the international tournaments that matter. Domestics matter, but the international. You can get to MSI through spring. Winter isn't just like the end all be all. Yeah. It's like a, a little extra tournament. It's like OGM winter. Um, actually, uh, in the Korean season, where like if you win it, it's like a nice wee surplus and it's nice, but you can still be the, the teams that were the great teams in LC, uh, OGM winter 2014 were the bottom teams in summer and spring. Yeah. There you go. And that's what I'm saying. And then the Samsung dynasty came through. The narrative completely shifted and that's the advantage that you have now with the LEC. So I, I wouldn't want them to overreact or knee-jerk reaction to a bunch of volatile BO1s. Yes, you've played badly. Yes, there's problems with this team, but I I think I see upside in this team. I see the positives in this team, um, and I'm and maybe like there is like an angle for which they can fix things as this uh, uh, as this five man core. Yeah, I mean, what the, the, I have to say, like the more and obviously we haven't had like a huge sample size or whatever, but like e as each game goes, even if I have some internal bias for whatever reason, just for hype or whatever of like wanting one team to win over another. The more games that go by, the more I just love this format. Like I just think it's such a fucking great format because oh. like every single game is so important. It's crazy. And what's weird is probably the least important game so far this split was G two versus Vitality. That was actually probably the least important game in terms of what the result was. It affected seeding. That's yeah, all. Yeah, fun, yeah, fun for like fans or whatever, but actually just really, I, I, I that was the only game that day I actually didn't bother watching live. I was like, this will be where I get food. I'll come back and watch it, sure, but like I don't, I don't care enough to, you know. So yeah, I, I just think it's such a plus. I'm, I'm going to hit you guys now with a bunch of buzzwords on the sort of what I think of, of of Excel for two reasons, but mainly because I mean, for those that don't know, and you know, it's the CEO of Excel memes, whatever. Like I've had so many clients and still have so many clients on this team. I'm not going to dive into like the nitty gritty and insider information, all that jazz. But I think like holistically, as a fan, the things that really stick out for me. Uh, and as I said, it's going to be buzzword central here, guys. But I think they really lack identity of how they want to play the game. And they really lack win conditions as well. Like obvious win conditions where I feel like 
even if there are conversations taking place that we don't know about that, you know, we're going to play through bot, or we're going to do this, or we want to get to this point in the game and then side lane or go 1-3-1, one, one, even if that stuff's happening, if as a viewer, you cannot see that they know what their win condition is, they may as well not have one. So that's what I mean by that. I don't know what the conversations are like, but they, as, a, as a fan, holistically, they do not seem to have clear win conditions to me at all. They don't have an identity of how they want to play out any phases of the game. There are lanes sometimes which feel like they're screaming for ganks or are set up to be ganked, and Xerxes is at the furthest away possible camp from where you would want him to be with that setup. <laughs> and I just feel like it's super disjointed in that sense. The other thing, and as you like referenced in like the Koi game, for example, is they... There have been a couple of moments because they lost another close game as well. I think it was the Fnatic one, right? Like there, there yeah. have been yeah. there have been different moments in different games where you're like, they're now playing well, or they're actually team fighting well, or whatever. But they've had to overcome something so ridiculous to get to that point. Like I feel like I have never watched an XL game where they've been able to actually go through all of their progressions. Like, I feel that either it's doomed in the early game and they somehow come back, or it's doomed in the early game and they don't come back, but everything else after that point isn't worth seeing anyway, right? Even in the BDS game, which they won, they didn't play out their progressions properly. They're like, they, I, I believe they got a, a relatively sizable lead and then BDS made a comeback and it was like 50-50 again. And then they almost did like a backdoor or something, or they tried a backdoor and it failed. And then eventually they did. But like this, I have not seen this game, this team play one proper game of League of Legends yet. And that's what's mental. Like, I feel like I don't know. I still know so little about what's going on in the team. And the, the one thing I would say, which I think is crystal clear, because when you're analyzing stuff like jungle, I think it's very difficult because you don't know you don't know how done. what he's actually meant to be doing. You actually don't know. And for example, if a bot if it does look like a bot lane is like screaming for a gank, that, that wasn't necessarily the plan, right? Maybe the other team fucked up. Like maybe the summoners dipped, but then they didn't adjust to that, right? Like maybe Xerxes was gonna do two full clears no matter what. We don't know. The one thing we do know and is consistent is the 2v2, right? Like we know that you're not your intention is not to go into a 2v2 lane and die twice, right? We know that's not the game plan and that 2v2 lane has been horrible. Really really fucking bad, like so bad to a point where it's not like I'm not sure who's more to blame. No, both of you are to blame. You're but you've both played the 2v2s horribly and like sometimes you'll get people who will go into sort of these really in-depth like uh, trade and minion stack studies where they can say like no actually this wasn't as much of a mistake as you think it was because actually he should hit this minion first and then there's no problem it's not like that they're both just mechanically playing the lanes atrociously so that is the one thing i can say that's just straight up looked really bad and that doesn't necessarily mean it's not fixable it doesn't mean that oh you have to kick one or something like that but what it does mean again is you have to come up with an identity for how you're going to play out bot lanes. Like early, what they were doing was just bad meta reads. They were just finding themselves in scenarios where they were getting ham-fisted by the enemy bot. They were just allowing them to play two like heavy poke champions and they had no counterplay whatsoever. And it wasn't in the game plan that Xerxes was like going to cover the lane or whatever. So they just got fisted. They just got absolutely fisted. Then they played like either their own style or like a more sort of balanced lane out and they still had the same problems. And I think... Yeah, and then, then missed me with the gin game. That was just one of the worst things I've ever but, seen. So yeah, I'll, so I'll give you a, like a, a highlight of like I just went and checked it because I had checked it before. Um, the, and this is really fucking weird. I'd be I'd be surprised if like many folk realize this. I don't think anyone thinks Patrick's playing mm -hmm. well. Okay, he has the highest damage in the yeah. league, by the way, by far. No, not close, by the way. He is 
annihilating people. Like, unbelievable quantities of damage he is dealing. It is fucking insane, right? And most people have had asked him, like, ah, he's playing terrible. Now, damage per minute is just a stat, and it doesn't actually tell you the story, but... If I was to tell you, oh yeah, Patrick's like the highest D uh, DPM in the league. It's like, where do you think XL is? It's like, I don't know, like mid-table towards the top. It's like, no, butt-ass last place. Like, what? Like, what ver What fucking versions of the games have we been playing? And that's with him. Remember, Patrick's never walked away with a lane with a lead. Yeah. Think about that. He's literally uphill fighting every single team fight. So what the fuck is going on in these games i have no idea but that's that's it right it's like it's fucking crazy to watch because uh, we we actually talked about this last show but the, to me the tragedy of excel is in theory this is i guess i'll 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 put vitality to the side because i still feel like we don't know enough about bow yet to know just how absurd he is maybe like that's a hills people can't overcome but that aside this is the team that in theory should be absolutely goomba stomping people in late game if they can reach it with uh even or a lead right and they look to watch them Otto is the player that even if he marginally loses lane he'll always be super relevant he's super good at finding flanks and playing out team fights in the late game vto is the archetype like cynics would say it's the only thing he can do is he he finds himself just scraping you know by to reach the late game and then he'll pop off on on whatever and patrick even prior to what you just said about having the highest damage in the league. He has always been either the best or one of the best team fighting AD carries in the league, right? So this is a T and Xerxes again plays like famously plays like hyper scaling farming carries, even your that's Ivans or whatever. One like. thing, yeah, go on. I'm really not happy. That's one thing I'm really not. I find really weird is their jungle pick. Why they pick jungle? Like, I don't think XL's played against that much Zeri. I might be wrong. But they've picked an awful lot of fucking Vi. Mm. Right? And I just don't... Right, I think Xerxes is, like, fine. On His Vi's been fine most games, right? But I feel like in this jungle meta, I, I look at it, I think it's really open. I think you can be doing loads of stuff. You can be going Kindreds. You can be going, like, AP junglers. There's lots and lots of directions you can be going. Um... In terms of the with the jungle pick, and I really feel like Xerxes has just been it's just like, okay, Xerxes, we need initiation, you need to play initiation. You need we need some form of initiation that's coming in jungle, because we've got an enchantment to our bot lane, or X, Y, and Z. And I actually don't think the game has to be like that. There have been people, uh, teams that have basically just won games by just having like Varus and Ash Arrow bot lane as their initiation. A la the Mad Lions comp into was it no, it was a vitality comp into G two, where like yeah. it was just like um, it was like a kite, complete kite comp, but it was just walked backwards with Cassiopeia and stuff. Um, yeah, like I don't know, it just it, loads of the pieces just didn't click together, and I think it's a real shame. The other thing is most for this amount of games, you'd usually be in week six, or yeah, yeah? something like when, that. So yeah, so you would have six weeks of scrims. There have been teams that have been shit the first three weeks, and then by the time their week six came round, they were one of the best teams, right? Yeah. Well, this version of XL, we're never going to get to know about that because of this new format. So, I don't know. I think that with these players, there is a version of them that is good. I think it's just going to take a lot longer to find it than maybe they first like they first thought. Yeah, I think the problem is as well though. Like even when you look at where games go smoothly and they get to the mid game 
doesn't feel like they understand how they want to try and play it out, no. which is why I think I'm a little bit more negative on them. Because like I look at how they try to play off like wave states and side lanes and even the mid lane, and they just have no idea what they're supposed to be doing or how to set them up. Um, so their lane assignments can be super weird as well. And then whenever they try and go for objective setups, it's just not working at all. So yeah. that's where I'm like, this these are things that like shouldn't be team like you should know these from the caliber that these players are right and what we've seen them being able to do in the past so the fact that this is all going out the window just seems bizarre to me so yeah. obviously there is internal stuff that's going on like that they're not doing this but i think that's why i'm a little bit less sold on they'll make the miraculous comeback because it just doesn't really feel like they they click at all as to what they want to be doing at any point to, to me the with a situation like this i feel like they have nothing to lose and by that, what I mean, I really hope that the XL as a unit don't decide that we're just going to play more scrims and hope that we get a bit better and maybe it'll be enough to win some games, maybe it won't. What I really hope they do, because I feel there's no downside to doing it, is just to go for a completely different approach and try and just actually assert an identity, which you're not committing to, you know, with this lineup for Infinitum. Like, if they come back after a month's worth of scrims before the next bit, whatever, you know, fine. But... As an example, what I would like to see, I would like to see them play 1-3-1 comps and I would like to, them to, to basically, for Xerxes to do what he's most comfortable with and what you could argue he's been doing to a fault already a bit in some of these games, to play full clear junglers which scale into the late game that typically end their pathing near top when Otto's setting up lanes because Otto is the only lane who, if you say we want someone to win lane. He's the only one where you can actually say, yeah, he can probably just replicate that when, whenever he wants most of the time, right? VTO is not a reliable laner at all. Miss me with the bot, how the bot lane is looking in lane, right? So you have to, so far as you're playing towards a lane and you can't have three loot completely losing lanes. So I would play towards top side uh, so far as the laning phase goes. And then 14 minutes, one, three, one, you group the, uh, obviously, Patrick, Targamas, and Xerxes coordinating around mid. is good at playing on side lane. I agree with you, Dagger. I don't think they've looked like anyone's had a clue what they're meant to be doing on side lane this split. But Otto is a good line, a good side lane player, and I know that he knows how to play side lane. And I would just play 1-3-1. That, that's what I would do as a fix. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But I don't think they should just sit there and think, we're just going to keep scrimming how we've been scrimming and, you know, let's all hope we get better at the fundamentals as a team. Like, there's, you're not just bad right now. You're, you're pretty bad. Like, you are pretty bad. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I'm hoping to see. Um, speaking of which, which other team do you think is most in danger of being dragged into the potentially missing playoff scenario? So, again, let me frame it a little bit. XL <laughs> and Astralis, uh, who you could argue are today's constipation and diarrhea, I suppose, uh, are certainly in uphill battles to avoid elimination. They are dead last on one win. And then we've got Koi and Fnatic sitting on two wins. And another team I'm going to throw into the mix because I, I do think it's very possible that they just win no games this week. It's Heretics. Uh, so, and they have an extra win, so they're on three. So, my question to you guys is which of these teams should excel or should Astralis have, you know, sort of a mini renaissance as it were, or, or just go on a little bit of a hot run. Which of these teams do you think should be most worried about getting dragged into that? I'll start with you on that, Doctor. Uh, I mean, just from their strength of schedule, right? It feels like it'll be coy. Like you vote G2 and Vitality to go up against. Mm -hmm. I know it's that they have Astralis at the end of it, right? But um, both these teams don't seem to really be taking any prisoners. I think the... I, 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 like, 
Koi for me is just it's kind of sad to see the direction that they've gone because obviously you think oh well it's just bringing in Shigenda, um, but I think you're kind of spotting now how how much they needed Odo to be that like strong front line, get flanks, be get engages and like set up for their good team fights because this is a team even like back in summer I was like you guys don't really know how to play mid game you don't know how to play off of waves it's just you guys are really really good at team fights and as long as you can set up for them at objectives well then you're fine. Um, but now that they have Shigenda, and Shigenda is like more carry and split push orientated, but then he can't set up for those team fights. So now I feel like, again, they've, this is a team that's completely lost their identity. And when you're going up against G2, who've looked so strong, Vitality, who I just think are absolutely insane at the moment. Um, and by the way, both teams will probably be highly motivated, even if they're already yeah. qualified, to beat them because they're thinking, well, we don't want to give Koi time to maybe get exactly. their shit together. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think kind of the a similar story with Excel. It's like I feel like Koi just doesn't know how they want to play the game. Like even you're looking like so many times I'll see Shigenda and he's like on jacks, he's split pushing for second tower top side, and I'm like, okay, cool. So they're just gonna like you'll have the bot side of the map move away from bot turret, and then they decide to try and hold us. All four of them die because there's all five members of the enemy team there. I'm like, decide what you're doing. Like, are you split pushing or are you defending this turret? And then you get like super late TPs in. It's all just, I don't know, it's just messy. And um, it feels like they kind of half decide as the play has already happened what they want to do or how they want to react to it. And it's just too late. So yeah, I'm I think Koi are gonna really struggle against the two top teams. And then I mean Astralis will we'll well, have goes, to win. They'll most yeah, likely we'll go into off. that. We'll they'll we'll go into that last game with it probably meaning something, right? Mo yeah, most exactly, likely. Yeah um yeah but the one thing i really if koi don't make it what i really want to see this would be like the greatest headline of all time is in the crucial game for some reason this is really contrived because it has to you know happen for it to work i want them to pick karma i want them to lose the game and the headline will just be karma for koi and a big picture of odwamne's face like i i just think that this is this is the <laughs> this is the ultimate like careful what you fucking wish for and don't yeah. fix it if it ain't broke like why the fuck i mean we cannot all of us you know myself included even you know as otto's agent i can sit back and be like well uh, let's let's wait and see shall we like we can all have our opinions but you know let's let's uh, wait and see how it pans out but deep down in our heads we're like what the hell are you doing like you have literally the best top lane in the league who seems to be and again this is what i talked about earlier right where it's like there's a difference between having win conditions and seeing it actually manifest in an, an observable way on the map there are leaders and there are leaders and that was your fucking leader that was your big boy let's go follow me you know for fucking for Oddo, the Aragorn meme, and everyone follows him, you know? He's the guy who's following up on Maorang's fucking craziness and everyone goes piles in afterwards. I don't see that anymore at all. They feel like they're five individuals. It feels like Larson is still Larson, but he's just completely disconnected from the team. Even like less prowess on side laning before he had his mini sort of, I've now improved as a side laner thing. The bot lane is like, you can tell there's still good players, but Trimby's still like sort of slightly regressed, I would say, in terms of his map movements and also how he's getting caught out a little bit as well, getting killed needlessly sometimes. And Maorang, well, he's not looked good, has he? Let's be honest. And this is something that we were. Oh. And by the way, I'm I give props, oh. I give big props to Kira for this because when we did our tier list, I had Koi number one to begin with, or ranking list, I should say. I had Koi number one. And then as soon as Kira reminded me of the jungle meta, I dropped them all the way to fourth. 
immediately because <laughs> I was like, he can't. I've seen it. He can't play these champions. He cannot play these champions. And sure, the meta can change or whatever. But then I, I was like, but it's a three. It's three weeks, isn't it? The regular season, and they're not going to have like four patch patches or whatever. The meta is not going to change drastically. Sure, things can improve in you know GSL or playoffs or whatever. And I, I reserve the right to be prove, proven wrong. But it, 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 yeah, this guy is not meta proof. He is not meta proof. Can I ask you something, Dag? I'm, I'm genuinely not baiting and I'm not like trying to be like a white door, right? Okay. Yeah. What do you think of Malrang? And I'll just preface this because I think he's an interesting player to talk about because I have never seen a player, usually like analysts, are quite consistent around like niche players who like they're kind of like hidden gems. Like everyone like will talk about like Odo and like 2015 Law was actually secretly like the best top laner because all the analysts seen what he was doing on the map and it wasn't actually Huni, Odo was like the guy. And most a lot of analysts actually like agree around that fact, right? You then come to Malrang and I have people like Duke who are like got him as like S plus, like the best player in the league, without a doubt, best jungler you can like ever have better than everyone else. So I'm just curious, what what do you actually think of Malrang as a player? Um, I haven't been so high on him. I think he's like, I do think he's very, very effective at what he does, but I think I've always kind of been like, oh yeah, well eventually he'll get found out or like the meta will shift away from him being able to play these like hyper-aggressive ways. Um, and I think we're kind of seeing a little bit of it now, but I still think that like in the, uh, in the LEC, when you have people that like are overextended in lane a lot, like this is where he's able to pop off. Like, I mean, we're even talking about it, like, Niski, I've seen Perks has been overextended a lot against, like, there's been a lot of times where players are trying to go that bit too far forward, and Malrang looks really good, in my opinion, because he's able to punish those mistakes. Um, but I think then when you look at when he gets to internationals and you don't have these players that are making some of these mistakes, that's where he isn't able to have that same impact, right? So um, I think he he's very, very good at punishing people, but from the perspective of how he jungles, I personally don't think it's like s tier i think he's still like very very good but it's just a case of i wouldn't put him as like you know god's gift to the jungle um yeah but yeah i think he just kind of falls off sorry go ahead no no no. um i kind of basically think a lot of koi's problems are actually like just additive of malrang's problems but not just malrang's fault for example like larson has fight the larson's ability to 2v1 lanes has finally caught up with him um, he for historically he's been able to do it right. He's been able to like stand tall and eat them. Um, I never thought of Larson Balrang as a great two v two lane, but Larson was able to beat like Niski Aloya's two v two basically solo. Very rarely died to them. Scaled up uh, like effectively. Took a lot of jungle pressure on the map, and then Malrang was going and doing Malrang things. You can argue the efficacy of what was the best decisions to be doing at the time. But now Larson isn't doing that. Larson's kingdom is crumbling. He is actually just crumbling under the pressure of... I didn't think the jungle 2v2s were going to be as good as they were. But holy shit, are, there are just so many of them are just randomly good. Nuxio, um... What do Marcoon you call that? Certus. Um, Marcoon Certus. Um, G2A. I never thought Caps Yikes would be as good as it is. I never thought Bo, eh, Bo Perks would be as good as it is because I thought it would have to be completely different for it to be this good. And I, I know he's not played some of those jungles, but like... Larson's kingdom's crumbling, and I don't think there is a fix for that. I genuinely only think the fix for it is you bring you do you bring jungle to it, and you actually seen it in the mad lane. Like uh, Malran comes mid when he's on Azir, and they get two v two killed. 
because their understanding of those things is just worse because they've never done it. And now that everyone else is like stronger at it or has become a more focal point of the game, is now just hurting them a lot, a lot more. The other thing is, if you look at the champions that like Zagenda plays, uh, Odo played lots of champions that actually set up for like top ganks, okay? Whereas Zagenda plays champions that are better for like top coverage, for like, oh, like um, like the lane crash or maybe a dive at a push or like um, the, like the carry champ that like needs to get the perfect back off, you cover it. But I don't think like that's actually that helpful to Malrang still. I think Comp and Trimby actually haven't changed his players. Comp's still Comp, and Trimby's just still Jekyll and Hyde, where he's either, like, one of the best supports in Europe, and then the next again game, he can just, like, throw it away, like, completely with his mental. But one... I, I, I thought I was feeling away an analogy of, like, how Malrang's, like, doing compared to the other jungles. Malrang's Does it basically involve playing... constipation and diarrhea? No, Malrang's basically doing, like... Malrang is basically doing the thing as like if I was to tell you an AD an ADC only like killed like last hit half the minions in his lane right but they he got the other ADC's health bar down like really really low would you think that's like good and when if that ADC doesn't die it's like irrelevant because I slowly the economy of the game like catches up with you and that's Malrang but the problem is is Malrang is self inflicted like the, go watch it against SK Gaming I don't think he kills Red Buff until eleven minutes. Oh yeah, I thought that game was mental for passing. Like, that was yeah, like I'm 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 sorry. Like I there's a difference between like a style which Malrang definitely has, and games where Malrang is just doing something that is categorically like atrocious. That is actually that... that is actually the video that should be played on repeat for the people who say that he understands everything yes. about jungle. <laughs> he just chooses yeah. to play in this way. Because his response to what was happening to him and the, the invade and everything, it was so bad. It yeah. was ridiculous. He basically solo lost the game. Like he put himself, his team, in such a difficult position to try and claw that one back. Such a difficult position. Just went psycho gank after psycho gank. And after three, it's like, come on, dude. But... Yeah, I mean, so, you, sometimes I guess you have to, but at the same time, I would say he hadn't identified... Like, he should have identified that after the first gank, basically. Like, now I yeah. need to recover. Not now I'm just going to flip the game on a 1 in 10. Uh, on, on, yeah, just crazy. And now Malrang is now a victim of, like, a player change and, like, system changes of other teams where, like, he his weaknesses are now not being covered by, like, other yes. things. And now, now he looks just strictly worse. Where I actually think Malrang could be a great player on another team. It just now can't be Koi. Yeah, it, like, and it, sound, it sounds weird to say because obviously XL have, you know, problems. But XL is, like, so many problems. It's like they've not even started. Yes. But I'll still say it that... Oddo is like, and I've said this for years, he is the ultimate bandage for any team that he will like, if you have 10 problems, he can solo fix three of them at least just on his own by existing, <laughs> right? And I think he was such a safety blanket for Maorang that Maorang can do all his qua crazy whimsical stuff and sometimes it comes off and sometimes it doesn't. And Oddo will always have such full control of that side of the map. He's not necessarily smashing lane, but he is just so cognizant of everything that's going on on that side of the map that it gives Maorang much more freedom to play. Segenda, basically, if I'm going to be really crude, has played a bunch of carry picks that he's not even shown that he can play very well. And that's about it. He's just getting some shit Fiora. Like, it's just... 
like right now, and I'm not saying it won't turn. He, you know, he's not the most, he's not a rookie, but he's not the most experienced player at LEC level and play, new players do need time. But right now he is adding nothing of value currently. I think the thing is though, like, and I think I was like trying to figure out which game it was. I think the Fnatic game showed it really well where Koi aren't playing to let him be a carry. And like, there's a really, really good example, which is um, he's basically split pushing for tier two top. Um, Larison is just reset and has TP. He could TP into bot side if he wanted to. And there's like five members of Fnatic going to dive tier one bot. And instead of Larison going to bot side, Larison TPs back to mid. And then Shigenda <laughs> goes, yeah. So they see that this dive is coming, right? Like the only <laughs> thing they don't know is that Wonder is there as well. And um, yeah, so Larison TPs back to mid. Then the three Comp, Trimby, and Malrang are trying to hold this bot lane against the five members of Fnatic that show up. And then eventually Shigenda, I can't even remember if he got the top tower, but he just TPs then to the tier two tower yeah, yeah, after yeah. the dive has already gone and it's a disaster. Yeah. I'm like, what? So either give up your tier one and let Shigenda get the top side or have Larison TP bot if you really want to try and defend it. But it's like, they're not actually playing to enable Shigenda to get like big leads. So I'd like, I definitely agree. I think, I think he hasn't had an impact, but I don't want to say that it's just on him because no. it feels like the team isn't giving him the opportunity to actually yeah. play through these. Yeah, it's, fair, it's very. I mean, oddly, and this should not. Re this really shouldn't be happening with a team like Koi that has consistent coaching staff and 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 what have you. But they they also look like they don't have an identity. The idea that you pick these picks for Segenda, but then there's zero enabling in terms of how they're actually playing the game in the map is very strange. Like it, it almost feels like, and people who defended Segenda, and by the way, this isn't a critique on Segenda. I'm just adding context here. People who defended Segenda when they, when he was playing on uh, Vitality were saying, oh, he's just doing a, a job like solely for the team. He's like tanking his own personal performance. And again, remember he was dropped basically because he said, Put, stop putting me on these enabling picks. I don't want to play fucking Orn, Maokai, this bullshit. And they're like, fine, SLT will do it then because that's currently what we want from our top laner. So he actively does not want to play the enabling picks and he can't play the carry picks, at least not without help based on what we've seen so far. Again, jury's still out. I'm not going to judge a player based on what I've seen so far, well, but that that's what it looks like. Yeah, go on. Here's one, Dagna, you're obviously native to LPL, the land yeah. of the carry top. <laughs> what do you actually think is a reasonable expectation for carry top laners? Like, what do you actually think? When, if I was to give someone Fiora, uh, Camille, Aurelia, like, um, you know what I mean? You can know the picks I'm talking yeah. about, right? What are your expectations? Like, what would you think, if, if you're looking at the LPL, the best versions of the players that play them, plus Keen and LCK, what, what do you think you should, you, the reasonable standard to say that is a good performance? Like what are the type of things, the archetypal things you want to see them doing? Uh, I mean, it's one is going to be creating pressure on the map, right? And I think that's something that LEC teams don't do particularly well is like allowing this guy to actually start to put pressure on towards a tier two or like setting him up with vision so he can actually be a bit more aggressive um, and then being able to use the advantages that you've gained early to... Uh, either win out just immediately on that side or actually pulling resources away from other areas. Um, and then as well, I think the, I think this is where the team aspect comes into it as well. I think one thing that LPL is very good at doing is when you have these carry tops is setting up team fights that are more like individual skirmishes rather than one big yes. team fight, right? Yes. Yeah. And I think that's where LEC doesn't work as well is 
we'll just go into, hey, we're just going to front to back. Front to back, yeah. It's like, that's not how this works, right? You want to be able to go, all right, well, we've got like this one duel that's happening over here. We've got another, you know, 2v2 here. And then this like AD carry is trying to fight for the life against the Fiora. That's kind of like whatever you want to be trying to set up. But that's, I think the the biggest problem is that LEC teams aren't enabling their carries in that way. Like, I think Vitality do it a little bit with Photon, but I also think Photon's just fantastic. Um, mm. Where he'll, like, find the flank angle that actually sets up to create these skirmish opportunities while Bo is going in onto a different person. So I think that's where you've actually got to look at, like, how you set up fights to enable these guys. Um, and I think Vitality is probably the one team where I can look at and go, yeah, this is actually how they do it. But you can even see at times they completely screw it. And, like, Photon will go dive in, get a kill, and then just immediately tie himself. So... Yeah, because what Dida basically just answered there was the difference where I was talking about, and this is where I was completely wrong because I thought G two would be really good because they could do this for BB Rich. That was my reason, yeah, one yeah, of the yeah, reasons I, remember, I yeah. thought right, and that's not happened by the way. Like BB's they're shit, right? Okay, so yeah. um, they they actually bought side jungle team. But anyway, um, uh, what do you call it? no team? Even though the the player level has gotten so good at LEC this year for top lane, like the actual individual level of the top laners is really really good this year. The LEC still doesn't understand top lane and like the carry packs and how to enable top side. It's still, yeah. even though you know the Fioras, the Jacks, the Cassantes, they're all there actually in the game. The actual understanding is still very poor. Yeah. But just thanks for that, Doug. That was yeah. good. One of my uh, one of my few takes that's aged quite well so far is my BB take, which is I I just I I don't see. I think there's a difference between regularly winning lane and being a, a good actually an actually good carry top laner. And I've never really seen it from Broken Blade, to be honest. It's a lane that I look at a lot when it comes to laning, just because for me, like analyzing 2v2, for example, is difficult. I'm just not super attuned to enough of the nuances to be able to cope mentally with four people doing things at the same time in a lane. But I feel that top lane is on such an island that is actually a lane where I can be like, ah, he should have hard pushed this or he should have let that come back earlier or whatever. And I just feel like even on carry picks, Broken Blade is such a product of there's just simply no one else in the league that plays the carry tops at all. But now there is, and there's a few of them. And uh, yeah, I think Photon is certainly looking like the best. The weird thing about Photon, I guess we'll talk about it in uh, a little sec here, is that I still don't feel like he's that well synergized with the team, but he's still playing really well. If that makes sense, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, we'll 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 get on to that in a sec. I mean, to, back to the sort of the, the quickly on the Maorang thing, and also Koi in general, I guess. I feel like Malmo was kind of like a moment in time for like Maorang, for Koi, for how confident Trimby was. Trimby, someone who heavily relies on his mental state. I'm not talking about you know holistic mental issues or whatever, but in terms of confidence and feeling feeling like he's a good player who can go in. Maorang, I have to assume, based on his style, at least somewhat relies on confidence. And then the narrative was, look how incredibly Maorang is playing. And, you know, he's grasping all these opportunities or whatever. And also the team's following up. Whereas I think that should have been flipped into, holy shit, look how often Maorang's going in. And how incredible is it that his whole team is kind of paying attention to it and then following up, you know? So I'm not saying that it's like they're saving him from inting. Because I think that would be a massive disservice. I do think Maorang had a very good weekend in Malmo and in both series against Fnatic and G2. I think he was very good. But I think now there are times where the confidence isn't quite there. The judgment isn't as peak as it was then. And most importantly, you don't have your principal leader on the team 
who is grabbing everyone with him and saying, in, Rakan, now, go. And they all sort of flash in together or whatever. I, Larson's never going to do that. He's just not him as a personality. That's He's just not that guy. Segenda, I don't know as much about, but clearly, especially because he's not playing facilitative engaged champions like Otto often does, can't really do it. And then the Trimby, who again, he does play a lot of engaged, you know, he, he, he's got an insane win rate on Rakan and stuff like this, but he's just, he's not really that voice in the game or that kind of voice in the game. And again, he, he's he's fairly mood dependent, uh, dependent for me. But yeah, Kira, I never actually asked you specifically, again, just to remind people, which, which of these, t do you subscribe to the view that, that Koi are most at risk to drop into it? Or what do you think? What about Fnatic? Do you I got, think... got lost in the sauce here, Rich. I did, I got lost in the sauce, yeah. sorry. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, we'll need touch Fnatic. Um, Koi are the team technically that should drop down if they do. The problem is, is that for every game... XL lose, Koi needs to lose two. So they like you know, I mean, if XL wins two, Koi can like you know, I mean, do that equation yourself. Um, they they have a way of just playing it out where they actually don't ever need to play a. There's like a scenario where XL wins one game, loses two, Koi wins two, and they never actually need to play each other. It's not that unlikely. So I don't I know. know I think but but is... just just very quickly though, what is I think a little bit interesting about this is that this scenario is not particularly unlikely if. If yes. if XL aren't completely terrible this week, then this is quite likely because XL play heretics, which again, if they're not complete horseshit, winnable. XL so then five. play SK if they play Three well, winnable. Then yep. SK then XL do have to play Vitality, which is obviously the one you'd say they're most likely to drop. But yes. so with their record now. Before Three I talk five. about Koi, they're a game ahead, right? So they're on three wins. So then that means that Koi have to drop two games. And Koi, as you both pointed yep. out, Vitality could easily be a loss. Then they have to play G2, could easily be a loss. And then they have to play Astralis, which again, they will probably win, one. but it, it, it might mean a lot for Astralis. Like it could be a game that decides if Astralis gets in or not. And you, you just never know. So it's not that unlikely that they get Then the next in. problem... Yeah, the, the, I, that's what I'm saying. I think it is Koi. I don't think Fnatic will end up down there. The problem is, is just... Uh, well, the answer is just Koi. And that, that and that basically is that. The, I actually just... The, the problem being is, like, I don't actually think XL do, realistically does get there unless a miracle happens inside the team. But, yeah, the answer is Koi. Koi's more likely to get... get Fnatic, by the way, Fnatic could easily go one and two as well. Fnatic play Mad, which on current form, you would have to say Mad is... Favored, I think would be fair to say. Then yep. they play uh, Astralis, which is again the one you would expect them to win. Uh, and then they play SK, which again at this point is Fnatic favorite in that game going into it. I'm not. I would. I would say statistically, probably the most likely scenario at this point is that Fnatic go one and two. So basically, XL has to win or Astralis, let's not rule Astralis out. And Astralis did beat XL. So if we're doing MMA maths, then, you know, they should be the team to catch fire. But yeah, I think there is a very possible scenario. I wouldn't say greater than 50%. I think most, I think XL could go 0-3 and I wouldn't be surprised. But I think there's a very possible scenario that XL could go 2-1 and one this week. I think there are very possible scenarios that both Koi and Fnatic go 1-2. and two. So I, I do think that's interesting. But I guess the difference between Fnatic and Koi is that Koi's games are more brutally difficult, whereas Fnatic's are just 50-50 kind of games where you kind of maybe give the edge to the other team. So that's that's sort of how I would... Costs. And yeah, let's talk very briefly as well uh, just about BDS, because BDS are playing G2. Yep. So 
wait, sorry. Uh, no, they're not. They're playing Heretics. So if Heretics is playing XL, so if XL beat Heretics, then Heretics is still on three wins. Then Heretics plays Mad. Again, is that better than the 50-50 chance for Heretics? I would not say so. And then Heretics plays BDS. So none, you know, it's... Well, it's BDS they could, final week as hell as well, by the yeah. way. I've seen that as well. Like, yeah. BDS have got a harsh final week as they, well. They, they've Four got their weeks. four wins, though, so they're almost certainly safe. They're yeah, all, yeah, no, I, I was just saying, like, it's a hard, it's a hard yeah. week. Yeah. But I think, I think Heretics could go 0-3. I'm not saying I expect that, but I don't think... Basically... Oh, unless you're playing Astralis or, or XL, but like with XL, you always wonder if they could become that <laughs> team, right? Yeah. Basically, if you're playing Astralis, all these games are losable. And that, again, that's what I love about this format. And the reason why I included Heretics is I do think they need to win. They need to win a game. If they win a game, they should be safe, but none of their games are gimmies. And unless you play Astralis, I don't think any of these games are gimmies. Um, so yeah. Right, before we end up here, I do want to kind of come full circle. And I said we wouldn't talk about it, but I do want to talk about it just a little bit. Um, it, I want to get your guys' thoughts very briefly on the G2 versus Vitality matchup. Not the game um, specifically itself. We all saw what happened. In my opinion, it was lost in draft. Um, but I want... Uh, and I'll, I'll start with you on, on this one, Dagda. Which team to you has been... Not necessarily more convincing, but which team going into the GSL phase do you think would you put more trust into doing well at this stage? Um, I am heavily bow biased just to get that off rip, but I definitely think Vitality. Um, I think G2 have looked very, very clean when they get a lead. It's in games that are a little bit closer where I'm kind of a little bit less sure about how they want to try and operate. Um, and I think we've kind of seen that, like, if you shut down their bot lane, suddenly the team doesn't look as good. Um, and we kind of hit on, like, I don't think Broken Blade is playing particularly well. Uh, I don't think Caps is playing particularly well either. Um, so I think you're heavily reliant on Hans and Mickey doing well with this team. For Vitality, it feels like they're they're just a threat everywhere, where you can kind of just go to any of these lanes that look really good. I think Bo is looking absolutely phenomenal. Like, this man is an insane six sense, But also just the... What I love about the way they play is they're very cognizant of, can we go to contest this dragon? If we can't, cool. We're actually just going to immediately back off and go and cross map, or at least always be active. Um, but what I really like about like Bo and Perks, the way they work as well, is that even in scenarios where they're like, okay, we're going to give up dragon or Bo gets pushed off a Rift Herald or whatever it might be, they're aware of what the enemy team is going to do. And they'll try and look for a pick or look for a play off of what they know the next team's going to do. And I think a good example was actually in that G2 game where I think it was second or third dragon they give up. And then Perks hides in the bush. Bo comes over the wall as Caps is trying to move down to bot side. Um, and they're like, oh, okay, well, we know Caps has to go bot to catch the wave. So let's just see if we can make a pick off of Caps moving. And be like, Caps thinks he's safe because, well, I've just done dragon with my team. There's no way they can test me with everyone here. But I think they're just very clever on like, what is the enemy capable of doing and how can we try and answer that? We even saw with like Bo reading that Oyoya was going to come over the wall on Wukong and already like pre-charged his Q. Um, even in the G2 game as well, the early Rift Herald, uh, Bo got pushed off a Rift Herald, hopped over the wall. And most junglers, you'd kind of go, oh, well, you know, I got found out. I'm just going to back away. There's no way I'll be able to make a play. But Bo just like immediately goes top and gets killed. And it's like, it's I love how they're always focused on what is the enemy doing? 
how can we try and improve this? And then they just are so good at turning on snap decisions as well. Like everyone very quickly follows up. So vitality for me have just been super impressive. What about you, Kira? I think this te- both these teams are going to be uh, uh, victims of the bot lane meta, where the team whose bot lane gets the um, early push, uh, their jungler is then going to look like a god. Because if G2's bot lane gets the early push for whatever reason, it doesn't matter what set of picks it is, if it's double ADC, ADC enchanter, eight fucking whatever, just throw it against the wall, whatever you need to do to get the push in, Yike looks competent enough to control jungle quadrants and create jungle deficits that are just beautiful to see. And if Vitality gets push off, then Perks and Bo look like they have the understanding to control River and yeah. um, Vision around objectives and control map movements, like Dagda was saying. So they have different revolutions on how they think the game should be played. But a lot of it evolves around numbers advantages that spawn from bot push. That's how I see it. I could be massively wrong. But like, I would think the series, if these two play in a BO5, will be insanely fucking... Because what you ban and what you don't ban and what you like first pick and then double pick is going to... It will have such a crazy effect on like the game and like... Even if you do have push, what if the other team just pick a better jungle 1v1 and the person walks in and just level 1s you? Yeah, your Portland's got push, but you've just been 1v1 in your own jungle. Like, there's so many, like, little niches to these teams. And yeah, I think Vitality's draft was very fucking good. Um, Perk's basically just showing the thing that the L- people like LS um, and loads of other analysts have talked about for years, where scaling doesn't actually just mean what it is, because you can scale with matchups. Cassiopeia and Rise both scales, but Cassiopeia is a counter to Rise, so even if you go to the ultra late game, you still have a Cassiopeia, but the Rise gets fisted in lane. These matchups exist all over League of Legends. They're literally just sitting there to be abused, but people are just sleeping on them all the time, doing very like narrative like picks, band picks yeah yeah somewhat i'm like yeah i've seen the udir the udir that was an unfortunate game i joked on twitter the udir actually wanted two pairs of boots he wanted the slow resist boots and tenacity boots um you know the udir looks good just not against that composition you, there's adaptations to be had there these two teams are really really exciting they have like problems with them i would say g2's problem is uh bb's uh, just bad right now, straight up. I do not trust them almost in any isolated 1v1 against like the good top laners. And Vitality's problems, Kaiser, yeah. where I'm not actually sure what Kaiser does on this team. Apart from he's sometimes good at laning, but I'm not even sure it's that actually that good. It looks very pick dependent. Uh, well, that's what's what you said is what's interesting about. Oh. The best, the, the teams being, uh, there's a difference between how teams match up against each other and which team is better, right? And I think the point you made about Broken Blade is a perfect example because uh, Proton looks like he's. Sorry, he looks like he's the best best performing top laner right now, and uh, BB what looks like one of the worst. So, like in that isolated matchup, for example, with these two specific teams against each other. Uh, that looks like the top side of the map you would favour them. But 
the, yeah, that's not the, that's not necessarily the same oh, as who's looking like. The I'll tell you something, right? an interesting thing about the photon, and this is going to be a weird comparison. Photon has somewhat of a same problem Adam does, but a different way. Photon's a better player, but I'll tell you in a second. When I tell you about Adam, can you imagine Adam like playing Fiora? No, he like plays like Darius, Olaf. He plays Aatrox. He plays like his pack. Photon has a bigger pool, but it's not the same ilk. Um, like Photon doesn't play Orn. He doesn't. That's his second game of Orn ever, by the way. Um, I don't know if you watched that game. They lost, and he looked fucking shit on Orn. Like he looked absolutely fucking dreadful. So Photon, right now, the holistic player is an amazing statistic player because he will almost because he has a very good understanding of the matchups we are playing right now. He looks like amazing. But top lane is one of the most like evolutionary roles. Like. Is Photon going to be look as good and like I, I actually don't know his champion pool that like champion pool off the top of my head that well like but let's just say like Jason Tanar. What if it becomes Jace Renekton every game? What if it becomes like so, fucking Jace Mundo every game? Like I know if... from talking to Chronicler because Chronicler cast all the the challengers career games and um, he was saying that like he actually does have a fairly decent champion pool like yeah it's, it's huge. Renekton. Um, and yeah. he's uh, good on like Sejuani and stuff like that. Now, he didn't actually mention Orn. Maybe there was a reason for that because he hadn't seen a huge amount of it. Because uh, as you say, like second game ever. But he was pretty confident that like he wouldn't be as meta dependent. So obviously it remains to be seen, but I don't but know. The thing about him is, because I've, I've watched those like amateur games and it's like, he he's like top heavy Dagda where he has like okay. a bunch of picks at the top where it's like double digits. And then it's a bunch of twos, right? Mm. But if you go and watch the, two, the the matches he played the twos in, the other person will never be like a League of Legends like person you care about. Do you know what I mean? Gotcha, like he yeah. he played like two games with GP, right? But like uh, this is an example. I can't remember the exact specifics here, guys. But he played two games with GP, but he played against like the Live Sandbox top laner who retired in like six months, and he's now no longer even a League of Legends pro. Like yeah. that's like the type of thing where it is. So it's like, yeah, he's got this massive list of champion pools, but the actual efficacy of that, I don't know, because I've now seen his arm, and I'm not sure about that. But Photon like has all the traits of a. Uh, like Korean, like top lane player, good mechanics, very safe, great laying, um, good team fight, and you know he's got all these things. Um, it's very, just very weird. You know he's got all these things, but he's not actually been carried through a lot. He actually just produces a lot of his own advantages. Yeah. But um, I'm quite happy. Like I didn't think Photon would be this good in the league. I'm very happy. I'm wrong because just I love carry top laners. I love carry top laners that are like Photon. So good props to the guy. He's playing fucking sick. Absolute Chad. Yeah, that that's that that's the kind of the interesting point that i touched on earlier is that with vitality what i think is interesting is that there are lots of players playing really well but they're not actually necessarily that synergized and you can say that's because they're winning a lot of games or whatever but photon i think is a good example where he is playing really well but i'm not seeing like some awesome interactions between him and Bo, for example like the jungle mid on vitality seems really like they're in the zone right now it seems like Photon's just being really good on his own, which is kind of impressive in itself, right? I would remind people that even though they're 5-1, and one, and I tweeted this at the time when they went 4-0, I tweeted, this is the least convincing 4-0 team I've ever seen. And if you actually go back and watch those games, those games are like all coin flips. I think three of the four, maybe even all four, but there's like they could have lost. And a couple of them, they definitely should have lost. And for me, the problem is, Bo is playing so well, and I'm not saying that, I think his level will drop or, you know, this this level of play has to drop off. I don't believe that because I just believe that Bo is a mechanical jungler. It's just levels above everyone else in this league. So I do expect that his level to continue. 
I just don't think the way they get wins is as re replicable as the way G2 gets wins. I think playing to bot side in a bot side meta is very fucking replicable. I think that having these crazy skirmishes around uh, mid river and so on is definitely somewhat replicable, but it's also draft dependent. It's also, it depends on like a myriad of factors where, and also has has uh, been been um, affected by like how what other teams have been doing and inting into them as well. Like I always go back to the Fnatic game where Fnatic should have won that game if Humanoid and Razork don't assembly line into Bow kiting away on Graves. That was <laughs> ridiculous. And everyone's takeaway from that was, oh my God, did you see how well Bow played that? And I'm just sat there like, Sorry, what? Like this was That's uh, a counter offer, this, well. this was just the biggest int of all time. Like humanoid is straight up trolling and Razork I think is kind of like, "Oh my god, do I follow this guy in?" I guess. And I guess if Bo wasn't as good a player, they might have caught and killed the Graves, maybe. But it was still a horrendous play anyway, right? And that would be pure results-based analysis. Like I I I I am not yet convinced that Vitality is a really good team. What I am convinced on is that so far Mid jungle looks really fucking awesome. Uh, top looks like a really talented player. Bot to me, I'm a little bit. They've had some good games, but I'm I'm not fully sold on them. Particularly Kaiser. I don't think we've ever seen Kaiser play the way he reached the level that he reached on when he was on his first splits of Mad Lions and El Yoya was his jungler. I don't think Kaiser's ever returned to to that level for me. Um, and Neon. To be honest, hasn't been Neon from previous splits either. I oh, think, really? I think Neon's been pretty good. I I think yeah. he's I think he's fine. I just don't think he's what we saw last split. I think he's made made some uncharacteristic mistakes. I think his picks have been very different. We're now going from he always used to get Yumi as his support basically to like now never getting it, and we're seeing that dynamic. I'm not saying he's been bad. I'm, I'm saying to me he doesn't look like one of the best ads currently. But I I just when I look at Vitality, I just think of very distinctive splits. I feel like Top truly is an island. I feel like Bot is kind of a Loki an island. I know in Bo's last game for example, he was all over Bot like a rash and basically solo won the game for it, but they they seem like decent units and mid jungle very good unit, but none of them are really connected yet. And I'm very curious to see how that develops and how it will look like in the best of five. And if you can just isolate people and not necessarily ban them out, but exploit them as they're not, to me, a cohesive unit, I'll be interesting well, to see. I think SK actually did that really well. I love the, hey, we're going to give Maokai and then take Elise. Um, now, obviously, blind picking Tristana probably wasn't the best call. But, <laughs> that is um, not the baby. <laughs> but but even, even then, I was like, this is like super smart. Because then you're basically like, hey, we, we are going to try and angle for the stronger 2v2 yeah jungle and you can see how difficult the time ball had because immediately gets invaded on like okay but well now he's just behind so um i think there's definitely ways to like play against this team on that Dexter, I think it just is quick, to do yeah so. on that way just quickly do, do you think is this it's because this is obviously something where you know i haven't thought about it at all it's purely you know i'm just going to throw it out there do you think there are do you think there could be some logic to the idea that you just give bow or force bow on to a really strong meta pick that's not a carry jungler and say, got him. I think it depends. Like, I think it's a case of if you can exploit it, right? Because like Maokai is absolutely nuts. I mean, we've seen yes. Bo destroy people on it. But if you can take the Elise and you can play through a stronger mid jungle and then bring that party down to bot side, I think he definitely can. But it's again, it's like, 
how effective can your draft be against them? And I think, again, like Vitality kind of set their own trap there for themselves and SK responded really well. But I think SK are just a team that does really good homework. So I think they actually like came in with the game plan and they executed it well. And I wouldn't be surprised to see other teams try and repeat it to the point where Bo can't just go, oh, I'm going to go on Melkai duty because yeah. people just learn to punish that. And I'm actually curious to see if like this weekend teams are going to start leaving that open and see if they can go for the yes. release or if then Vitality have to start banning the lease as a result. Yeah, I'm, I'm really interested yeah. just to see if it becomes a thing where people are just saying keep Bo off the good carry junglers and let's yeah. just let's just limit his impact. So go on, Kira. Yeah, just what I know we feel like we're coming towards the end. Just one last question. First of all, Dad, I don't know if you can look at what is the MVP. When does MVP for regular season stop? Is it up to GSL and the like? What what? How does it work? I, I actually it... don't know. I know they're trying to figure out what the game plan is because Shakers <laughs> was talking about it, but like okay. I was kind of like explaining it to me, but I was also like running out to go like onto a cast, so I didn't quite get it. Um. Mm. But I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. There, that's not even no me way. just trying to be coy. It was just I yeah, don't know. There's yeah. no okay. way it will be based on the BO1s alone. No way. No, it'll well, be, it'll no. go to at least the end of GSL. That would be my guess because then playoffs. You are talking about like sort of building towards finals and blah, 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 and there is kind of a, a segregation there. I would say, and you only lose two teams from uh, the BO1s. And it's I guess if they were that good in nine BO1s that the a player from the bottom two teams could still be in the conversation, but there's no shot. It's just the BO1. So who's your halfway MVP? I think it's so it's so, even that. I mean, it's Bo. But yeah. it, you think it, you think Bo? Yeah, Bo? definitely. Yeah, same. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, Sorry, well, and also, I your... think he still counts as a rookie as well because uh, well, we can split. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you something, Dagda. We do things a little bit differently on on my uh, on my shows when it comes to giving out awards, and he ain't no rookie. Uh, Kira, what, who? I mean, who would you pick? It sounds like you wouldn't go, Bo. So who do you? No, think? I think Bo's entirely legit. I, I haven't completely decided. I'm not like rewatched all the games a couple of times, but I think it's either Bo or Hans Hammer. Yeah. Mm. What about Yike? How do you feel about Yike? Yike's enabled by Han Sama. He's a product of his yeah. bot lane's yeah. advantage. No, no, but he is, he's making the best decisions, but like he's not shown me... like the One game where they had bad bot disadvantage, Yike didn't look as good. And also because of Peck, but there he's you go. De I mean, just, he's definitely on course for rookie at this point yeah. if he continues. That's for, that's for <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, that's yeah. True, 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 easy true. But uh, yeah, okay, great. Well, I think we will leave it there then, guys. And uh, yeah, going to be a really interesting week every it's a cliche but every game truly does matter and uh yeah we will see you next time